Hello and welcome to the Rock Your Voice podcast. Vocal coaching tips that will transform your voice, interviews that will inspire, industry guidance, and so much more. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Today on the Rock Your Voice podcast, I'm talking with Jan Smith, aka Mama Jan, who is the world's premier vocal producer and instructor. She's got over 30 years of experience in the music industry as an artist and a mentor. She's a Grammy-nominated producer and Georgia Music Hall of Fame inductee. And if I'm totally honest, she's who I aspire to be as a coach and mentor. Her list of professional credits are off the charts. She's worked with Usher, The Bam Perry, Justin Bieber, Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas, Drake. The list goes on. Uh, So if you are an artist looking to learn more about the music industry, understand the business more, or even work with a phenomenal producer, you have to go check out jansmith.com or Mama Jan Music on social media. Here's my conversation with Jan. I want to just say a huge thank you again to Jan and Kayla for helping us to to coordinate this. Because as you can imagine, Jan's fairly busy. (laughs) I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. And thanks again, Jan, for joining me. I just want to quickly reflect on the very first time I uh, experienced the magic of Mama Jan. I was I was so excited to see you. Um, you talked at the VIP virtual conference. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that would have been back in the spring. And and I, I love those conferences. They're fantastic for absolutely everyone who is obsessed with voice, but um, very, very scientific, very technical. And then I think you were one of the final speakers and I was like, oh, she speaks my language. (laughs) (laughs) So I was very, very excited to to hear from you and to learn about you. So why don't we start right where it began? I would love to know, what is your first memory of music? Hmm. Uh, My very first memory of music would be, I think I was probably one and a half maybe two years old and in a baby crib type bed in a little house that we grew up in and I was standing holding on to the side of the crib and I was uh, singing back and forth there was a a, my mother had uh, shut the door so there was just a small crack and there was the light from the black and white television was shining through that crack in the door and I heard the music and I was standing there uh, rocking back and forth and, and singing. And I remember my mother coming in the door and smiling and asking me, what are you doing up? So I remember that. That's And that's also the earliest memory that I have kind of period. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. I always love asking people like, when did it first begin? When do you first remember music? Because it changes people's lives so, so dramatically. So you were you were writing and singing and everything as a very young girl. Indeed. Yeah. Making up little songs and and being uh, being exposed to music most of my life uh, in in small uh, Southern Baptist churches growing up in the South. Uh, Music was always a big part of that gospel music and harmonies and, uh, you know, piano, guitar, ukulele, that kind of thing. So I I picked up different instruments just naturally uh, hearing, uh, you know, in harmonic Keltler. And so that was just a part of my path. I I could have been a a plumber, an architect or, you know, whatever. Uh, But I ended up singing and um, 
just creating songs. And so, yeah, I wrote songs by the time I was, you know, eight or nine years old. And then I cut my first record when I was 15. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you remember how you felt at that time? Was it terrifying? Was it exhilarating? How did that feel for you? I don't think it was ever terrifying. Music, music to me was always cathartic. It was always my window of expression really uh-huh. in the world. And, 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 um, being, um, I think that anybody who has different kinds of gifts, not just music, but talents in different areas. Sometimes, uh, we, we, but especially musicians, we kind of feel like we're the only ones that were isolated somehow from the rest of the world because of our own experience. For me growing up, uh, in the fifties and sixties, it was very much that way because not everybody played guitar and not every, it it wasn't the way that it is now. It it was, it was a little, uh, more, uh, elusive and kind of exclusive if somebody mm-hmm. if a kid grew up saying I'm going to be a rock and roll star it's like yes. what uh, so uh, it wasn't normal right and I didn't feel normal okay. so I don't think that I was afraid of it it was just more an, uh, an extension of what I was able to express and going into the studio for the first time was uh an, an amazing, exhilarating thing for me because it was like all of a sudden everything that I've always heard in my head was coming together and I got to play those instruments and hear it on a multi-track system coming back to me. Yes. So it was like my own symphony being played for me, amazing. which was pretty pretty dope. You know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just that experience of hearing your music back at you in the studio. It's just... Um, I, I grew up, my dad was a musician and our house was a recording studio. So so my first memories are toddling around being told not to touch the buttons and all the yeah, things yeah. like that. So just, but hearing that set, the creation going in to come back at you at that sound, it really is, it's a magical, magical thing. So you were talking about how thing, it wasn't quite the same back then, but now there's so much more access to become a musician, to become a, a great artist, and, and all of those amazing tools are available. You first got into teaching. I've been I've been digging in and looking at all the research, and, and it, it was a builder, wasn't it? The, or, or a construction worker or something where you ended it up? It was. Yeah, actually, I, I, was, I was purchasing a piece of gear. Uh-huh. I was in a music store in Atlanta. Uh, at that time, it was a famous music store, but I was there... Um, I, I was buying a drum machine because uh, I, I wanted to be able to program some things at home and work on some songwriting stuff. And that was, you know, back when drum machines were, were a, a new way of multi-track yes. recording. Yeah. So I was I was interested in purchasing a, a rolling drum machine, and I was talking to the guy that owned the music store and he said you know the guy next door has one of these that's almost brand new and he's wanting to sell it you should go talk to him and the guy next door happened to be uh, Steve Dukes who owned a rock and roll guitar school he was teaching uh, and he was ahead of his time so he was uh, you know teaching rock and roll guitar and uh, very legitimately so so I went next door and talked with Steve and I ended up buying his you know drum machine but, you know, he kind of knew of me around town. I was the kind of rock vocal chick and, mm-hmm. and playing in bands and, and had done some touring and all. And he said, you know, I've got this guy who's losing his voice. Right. Uh, I wonder if you could help him. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, I think I could. I mean, I knew enough to be dangerous, right. you know, just from my own background, right. classically and otherwise, and then also being a, a rock and roll singer and, and having done you know my my part of that work in terms of you know playing out in clubs and being in buses and tours and things yes. so um it it just 
was really, uh, I say accidental. I don't think that God is accidental, but it was just a matter of um, me being in that place at the right time and yes. saying yes to be able to help somebody. Imagine if you hadn't said yes on that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably would have said yes on another day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there we but, go. But it really, it really came out of a um, out of helping other people, and mm-hmm. nobody at that time. Nobody was really catering to the needs of, you know, rock and roll singers, yes. heavy metal singers, R&B singers, rappers, and, and people didn't even really recognize rap as a legitimate art form at, right. that, play, at that point. I did, but other people really kind of, I call them street, my, my people, my street musicians. Yeah. And so um, I just started catering to, to rock singers, really, and then the rest of it uh, kind of came crawling out of the woodwork. Right. As, as you know now, there there are a lot of people, uh, yourself included, mm-hmm. who are who are you know offering more contemporary art forms yes. of, of instruction. That just wasn't the norm then, totally. and so uh, I just kind of got to be one of the first girls on the block doing what I'm doing. You I know? love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. We sort of refer to ourselves as as personal trainers of the voice that's exactly right yeah absolutely obviously the years of coaching the experience makes makes you a better coach i feel so just having the experience of just more and more coaching makes you a better coach but there's something very special about you and your technique that that is your honesty Mm. how Mm. do you develop that skill as a coach to be honest to the point where you know you're going to draw more out of your clients and not mm-hmm. deter them? And how do you get more comfortable with that honesty as well? A wise man once told me the truth works. And I think that it, it kind of cuts through a lot of the crap that we deal nice. with. And especially in the entertainment industry and in, in contemporary music, mm-hmm. there's so much garbage that goes on around artists. And, yes. and sometimes they, you know, sometimes it's them and sometimes it's the stuff that goes on around them. Yeah. Being able to be kind of that rudder that helps someone keep their balance and also being honest is something that A, they can take that with them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they can use that as a sounding board. But that, you know, I find that my artists rely on that because yeah. they, they don't have other places they can go for the truth. Totally. And, and not only, not only just about their voices, but about life. Like they asked me, you know, my opinion on something and I'm going to tell them that I don't need for them to like me or like what I said, but, but I can tell them the truth and they rely on that not to hurt them. And even though what you and I do is of a critical nature, Mm -hmm. we have to sometimes break people down to build them back up in terms of athletically speaking from, from a vocal perspective. So for me, I, I, I do that with love, Mm -hmm. but I think that honesty kind of keeps me grounded in the balance of of all of it too. I don't get caught up in all of the the hoo-ha and the celebrity this and needing to be dishonest with somebody. It's like, here's my opinion. Here's what I think. You're paying me. I I didn't come to you. And so this is what you're asking me for. Now you can take it or leave it. But the thing I've found to be true about the truth is that's the thing that has allowed me to maintain relationships for literally 30 years with certain yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've known Rob Thomas. We were laughing about this several weeks ago for over 30 years. Amazing. I've known, I've known Usher since he was 17. Right. I've known, I've known Justin Bieber since he was 11. So, I, and, and I don't have necessarily the same working relationships ongoing they need me when they need me now. Right. You know? Yes. Yes. 
but the relationship is still there and they still call me. Yes. And, and, and that's the thing that matters most to me. Truth is very, very important. Blowing smoke is a waste of everyone's time. I agree. But there's a whole lot of that smoke, smoke and mirrors that goes on. Totally. And, and so yeah. it's probably yeah. very refreshing for an artist to find someone who is going to be super straight up and help them move I on. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I think it yeah. is. Yeah. Congratulations on the studio, by the way. I've been watching Thank the you. the developments Thank of you. the new space. It looks phenomenal. Um, Thank you. I hope that you can come and visit us sometime. We're, we're very proud. We've we've worked hard, and uh, and been able to incorporate now all the pieces that were uh, uh, auxiliary, you know, support. Now we're all in one house, which makes it really cool. Which is again, it's it's taken that step of oh, okay, I, I'm now teaching more contemporary vocal skills to suddenly the next level, which is like, okay, we have everything a contemporary artist could possibly really need sure. yeah. to launch yeah. and, and grow. Well, and you know, they used to, they used to do all this, uh, what we call in the building. They used to uh, do artist development inside the record building. Right. They don't do that. They yeah, don't do yeah. that anymore. And so uh, anymore, people like myself and yourself mm -hmm. find our find ourselves in the position of doing that artist development for yes. the labels, uh, for the new artists, as well as the existing artists. So having, I mean, I've had my own studio, my own recording studio and production room for 20 years now, but being able to really build it out, we've got mm -hmm. video now, uh, we have the capacity to be able to, to shoot live videos. We, we can do uh, you know, social media support yeah. that artists need, which we've yeah. never needed before. The kind of coaching we can do now on staging and inside is uh, performance coaching and mm -hmm. re really use that. We can also do workshops and feedback and things. And we can also uh, do, you know, photo shoots and all, which mm -hmm. is really an asset for the artist and yeah. their development. So. I'm really excited and, and hope you can come visit us. I would love one day. I promise. I promise. I promise. One day I good. will be out there. Um, with kind of with regards to that, it, it it is so much a next step, and it and it's so incredible that you're doing this because, as a coach, when you're working so closely with these singers, and you get them to a point, and it's like okay, off you go to a label or whatever. And it's like, no, but right. I really want to help you. Not just, sure. I don't want to end this relationship. Voice lessons are great, but there's so much more in that relationship, <laughs> especially as a coach, because, and also I got to touch on this too. You you have the a degree in psychology, which I'm sure is a phenomenal <laughs> asset for working it, with it, these clients. It, it, it does help dealing with crazy people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but bonding those relationships, it's like it's all very well and good getting a great voice coming out of someone in a healthy way and everything, but to send them off right away when, when you can offer and build that relationship, I think is so, so phenomenal. So what do you look for when you're assessing or perhaps taking on new clients? What What are those things that you, you're listening for or paying attention to that makes you be like, oh, I really wanna work with this new client? So, so as far as from a vocal, when, just from vocal coaching, mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's not really a, I don't really pick and choose as far as that's concerned. I, I have a staff, um, there, there are eight other uh, coaches here, so it's really not a matter of um, assessing that as much as it is. My, my admin, Jackson, is really great about um, being able to uh, assess and ask those questions. More of the people that um, I personally work with are those that are developing artists from other labels or uh, that are uh, under management. Right. 
people who are in stages of touring or pre-production. Yeah, so yeah. those are the artists that I, I'm personally going to work with um, more more often than not, just because of uh, the um, the food chain, if right. you will. Yes, yes. Um, but but I'm still aware of um, the the plethora of other artists that my my staff are working with because we have those we have those diamonds in the rough that come in that may be you know beginners but are really true artists and and. Um, and that's not to take away from people who are wanting to sing better just for their own enjoyment or their, you know, their church choir or their mm-hmm. course or whatever, or their bands. But, but we do, we do uh, tend to kind of seek out those artists that, that uh, look like they may have sustainability. Right. Those young people that are um, singer songwriters and, or, or bands that are, you know, functioning and out there and they're getting uh uh, response from other people yeah. so we pay attention to that and try to really foster the creativity in them right. and and help to um to steward them along as far as the business is concerned because our you know the industry is very difficult to navigate totally. and uh, helping people to be able to understand the business of music not just right. hey I, I do this because i love it yeah but also the business that surrounds them so that hopefully they can be successful at that. yes yes you yeah. also produce these really great informative video clips that i absolutely oh, love i think you did one thank just recently much. about funding too and how mm-hmm. as someone once said to me there, there's no show without business and, I, that, and you kind of there you go that. that's a great that's a great that's a great quote <laughs> i'm gonna quote you on that you i'm gonna go. quote you on that one. yeah and and yeah. it's it's so true and it's the toughest thing i think as creatives Sure. To start getting into the business side of things. Yeah. What sort of advice do you have to share on that side of things? You know, it's the same thing for me. I mean, when I when I started teaching, um, I, I you know I got paid by the guy who owned the school, mm-hmm. uh, but he made more money off of that exchange than I did. Right. And and at some point, it was my time, and I kind of had to start going. You know, yo, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe maybe you should make less, and I should make more because I'm doing this. I know it's your school, but I mean, after all, I'm bringing you business. Yep. So. Understanding and being a businesswoman myself, mm-hmm. I had to learn that. I also had to learn the value of time. Just as a young musician playing in my own bands, when we were playing clubs, and and this was way back in the day, but you know, you would walk into the the office and they, you know, would pay you cash or pay you in other substances, or you could do a bar tab, or right. and a lot, of, and, and helping bands and young people to understand that, that you don't want to be drinking, you know, your gas money, right. that, that doesn't work, yeah. you can't get to your next gig, you can't put that in your, in your gas tank, mm-hmm. um, you can't keep your lights on or pay your bills with, you know, stuff, so the other part of that is in not giving yourself away, yeah. you know, our, our culture, unfortunately, has diluted music to the point to where uh, everybody thinks that it's free. Right. Uh, here, I'm going to download this. I can have that. A song is 99 cents. And I, m- making music and being an artist and being creative is not free. Yeah. My time is valuable. Your time is valuable. The, the intel, the information, the wisdom, the help. Uh, sitting in a room with somebody, mm-hmm. working on recordings, editing, uh, bringing your talents to the to the booth, all of that should be valued greatly. And there's a price tag that yeah. comes with that. 
And so helping artists to value themselves to the point to where they're not giving themselves away for free, Mm -hmm. because the more that artists do that, the more people expect, oh, well, I can just get this person to play for free. It takes most artists, you know, how many hours of rehearsal, driving to the gigs, loading up, you know, setting up, breaking down all of that time. You you do the cumulative amounts of that, and it's, it's a lot of time, and they're making, what, 30 cents? while they're doing it it's crazy so i value my time and i value your time Mm -hmm. and i want to feel like what we do matters yes and it does yes it we are we are literally the soundtrack for everybody else's life and so i believe that we as musicians as creatives need to be better business people yeah we owe it to ourselves to understand that absolutely absolutely yeah i was doing a a music course with berkeley online and and they're talking a lot about the do it ourselves approach Mm -hmm. to the music Mm -hmm. business where um you know people are learning a lot the age we're living in and being able to sort of release their music and produce some stuff and and building their own teams as well a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of musicians are kind of scared of necessarily going big label route but but will hire a manager a publicist uh, uh, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, producer mm-hmm. and do that kind of themselves mm-hmm. and create their team what what are your thoughts on that sort of approach i think that what technology has done for us and the expanse of all that has really provided artists with a great opportunity and and the tools to do certain things with when I'll relate it to myself again, just because I've been here long enough to say this. <laughs> when 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 I was when I was coming up, uh, we we didn't have cell phones, mm-hmm. we didn't have desktop computers, um, and so we we didn't have the availability to have a recording studio on a laptop. Yeah. Um, we didn't have social media, and so what has happened in a very short amount of time, which is amazing, and and I've been here to kind of see that happen, but it's changed the industry in such a way that it really has given us as creators the tools to create more and to be more uh, um, publicizing, if you will, yeah. to, to handle the maintenance on the business ourselves. Right. So we, we actually have more control, if you will. Yeah. Now, the problem with that is with the advent of social media, we also have uh, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of more artists yes. who are competing for the same space, which makes it a little bit more difficult and competitive. Yes. I, I rather like the idea of artists being able to control the business around them. Yep. Uh, yep. And I think that technology, if you use it for the right reasons, it affords you that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then it also helps us to be more prepared for the real business of if you happen to get to that level of yes. echelon where you do have all of those other people in the machine yeah. and the machine itself around you, you have a little bit more command over what's going on and at least uh, can control pieces of that. I don't think that you can control all of it, but I like the information and the availability for artists to do more on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then really pursuing the marketing and the business angle of that is what's going to make them successful at uh, on their own independently, you know? Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is, uh, Emma, if people can be successful enough independently, why do they need a label? And I'm not saying labels aren't important. Yep, yep. I'm saying 
how they're important really should be more artist-centric versus label-centric. And I think that that's what we're going to see happening over the next several years, actually. Totally. So true. Because there was a time when it was like, the goal was to be signed. But if you asked any mm-hmm. musician, why? <laughs> what, what what does that mean? It's just like, no, I, I have right. the ba- I'm signed. I have this badge. I don't even know what it means now. Off I go. And it's yeah. like, so having that yeah. understanding is is so important. Kind of connects going right the way back to the Roland drum machine. I like my little actions there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to the Roland drum machine. How was it as a female? stepping into the role of producer and being in a recording studio and starting to own that role because even now seeing seeing a female engineer in a studio or see working with a female producer the you know the percentages of that versus male male production in studios how was it for you as an experience you know I I agree with you that that it it, it is, I I don't think about it a whole lot, to be honest with you. I've worked with great people and I think, you know, there are times when it's kind of like being a vocal coach, you know, sometimes that's that's kind of put to the side or or pushed off as something that's not valuable, whereas an engineer or a, a producer or, you know, being a musician and being able to talk that talk mm-hmm. and, and walk that walk. First of all, I'm no lightweight when it comes to my own background and my own uh, abilities and, and understanding, but it also fell on me to learn the vernacular. Right. Uh, I had to be able to hold my own. If I was going to walk into you know a room with the boys, and I'm not saying I, I became a boy, I, I'm a woman and I appreciate that, but I also had to understand the talk and know what was going on and not because I really enjoy electronics and technology to the point where I'm going to sit and you know EQ a kick drum till I'm blue in the face (laughs) but now I'll sit and edit vocals for eight hours and and I would dare anybody to take me on because I'm pretty pretty good at it but the bottom line is understanding the bigger picture so that in the process of communication Mm -hmm. you earn you earn people's respect and especially if you're right about something if you actually hear something and say hey and there again i'll I'll take that back to being honest yeah Uh, yeah. the truth the truth works so knowing your truth and being willing to learn yeah being willing to learn and listen uh, to other people so that you're garnering their wisdom but then offering when when it's when it's time to speak And, and what that did for me was that allowed me to fit in the room. Right. The other thing I'll say about that is to all the women who might be listening, if you're going to play football, you better put on your shoulder pads and get your helmet because they're not going to change the game just mm-hmm. because you're a girl walking on the field. Yep. So understanding that about the music business, uh, it's not a sexist thing. I mean, it, it, it is because it's a male-dominated you know, uh, industry. Mm-hmm. But, but we also have a place to be able to change that. I feel like in my own house, I've been able to do that alongside people. I, I don't want to step over people. I don't right. want to become, you know, that kind of thing. I, I want it to be a team effort. And yes. I think if you go about what you're doing as a team participant, you find the room opens up much more for you. 
That's kind of been my experience. And and the things that I've done in production, I would have never been able to do by myself. Mm -hmm. It was always by virtue of having other great people working with me. Amazing. Sometimes not, you know, they may not have respected me and my position. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's on them, not on me. So I I just kind of take that in and keep moving too. Love it. With regards to kind of the technical side of things, how do you play a lot of musical instruments by ear? Is that right? I do. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was classically trained on, on flute <laughs> growing <laughs> up in, in um, you know, in school band programs. So I was classically trained as a flautist for 16 years Amazing. Uh, and played, and I played bassoon and uh, played uh, in orchestra, you know, all, all along coming up as a kid. But guitar was, was my, well, ukulele. I started playing ukulele when I was about six, and and guitar became that that instrument for me. Right. So that's what I've really used. It. That's what I perform on, yes. and and I'm most well versed in. Uh, but I play I play guitar by ear. Lovely. Uh, understanding enough theory to be dangerous led me into being able to play, you know, and program strings and play piano and do all yeah. you know percussion, etc. All the other instruments. Yeah. Right. With that in mind, what do you? How much technical or anatomy how much of that sort of theoretical knowledge do you think a singer requires to be a great singer you know that's a, that's a great that's a great question Emma and and uh it's just like we're talking about you know the technology I do think that it's important for singers to own that space mm-hmm. you know guitar players know about strings and wood and guitars and pickups and amps and drummers know about sticks and drum heads and you know thrones and all this stuff and singers don't know anything right. about their own physiology yeah. I think I think that uh not only um understanding the physiology yeah. of singing is important but the theory yes. of it and and I don't I don't think that people need to um understand calculus to balance their checkbooks right but but understanding basic math gets yes. you around mm-hmm. so uh I, I think whatever is relevant to the client kind of in their journey is what I would say to you about that yeah but I am constantly hammering people on um pitch and interval work on on theoretical things and and especially on anatomy because the more you know the more you know Mm -hmm. and and I always tell people what you don't know can actually hurt you so um understanding more about it helps people to be more successful and once they begin to understand more about it and go oh that's really working for me Miss Jan what else can you tell me here um and, and I, I often tell my clients, you know, I'm not necessarily a better singer than they are, but I'm a better technician, right. which makes me come across as a better singer. So I'm more successful because I know more. Right. So knowledge is power. There you go. There you go. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. Just having a little bit more information just can help you level up so, so much. It can. When you're working with different artists, I guess this is kind of a two-part question almost. Um, so okay. how do you okay. get a student to a singer and then to become an artist do you when they're starting with you real young how how do you take Mm -hmm. them from on that journey of like say you hear someone really talented maybe they don't have that confidence or you just hear something and you're like this this is an artist but how do you get that mindset to shift from student to singer 
to artist and performer? Good question. The best thing that I can tell you that, that I feel like we do is we meet people where they are. Yes. If someone is, is, is a newbie, if they're green, mm-hmm. then they're going to need more basic structure, yes. more basic understanding of, you know, how does this work? And, and just really helping them to get shored up to where you can take them to the next yeah. level. If someone is more of an artist, sometimes they're missing Right. The, the ground floor pieces too so helping them to get that balance of yes. both while they're continuing while you're continuing to kind of feed the the this piece of it right the artistic right. piece of it and then you know developmentally if somebody clearly uh, is already at a certain level making sure that there aren't potholes back here that need to be filled in right. so again I'm, I'm just going to say meeting people where they are mm-hmm. I think is the, the most most valuable thing that any that any teacher whether it's a vocal coach or a a math teacher or whatever Mm -hmm. meeting that that client that artist that student where they are right and assessing their their skill set right I've got a two-sheet assessment that we do on everybody that walks in I don't care if it's usher or you know some green new beginner right we do an assessment to to give us at least a a picture right, right. Of, where, of where that that person is functioning so that we know where that blueprint is for us to work within those right. guidelines here again we're coming back to the honesty here at what point should an artist commit or quit <laughs> i don't i don't think that i mean i don't think that anybody should ever quit i think i think that you always have the right to pursue your art your creativity your happiness in it now does that mean that everybody is going to make their living doing that? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's less than 1%. In the United States, I know it's it, less than 1% of the entire population of creatives actually right. make their living full-time doing their art form. Um, that's not, I, it never stopped me. Right. You know, when I couldn't really get arrested playing original rock music during the disco era because they were piping <laughs> music in everywhere, Nobody wanted live music. I still had to make a living. I still had to feed my face. I did commercial work. I did jingles. I, I wrote character voices. I mean, I did anything that I could do that, that had an income stream. And I also worked as a psychologist for eight and a half years right. because there were times in my life where anything that I was doing creatively wasn't paying the bills. So I think that artists, people need to be able to sustain themselves you Mm -hmm. have to eat Mm -hmm. right and you and you need to be able to provide shelter for yourself and (laughs) if you need transportation so I I don't think that I don't think that artists should feel like it is some uh, negative thing to be able to work somewhere but understand that's just my job that's not my passion that's not my love but having a plan in place to be able to hopefully move into sustainability yes. would be would be what I would say to most people. But I don't think that anybody should ever quit doing something that they love to do. Will you make a living at it? I, I can't answer that question. Right. It's just like it's just like I tell people all the time. I don't make people stars. Mm-hmm. I, being a star, or be, when people say come in and artists say I want to be famous, it's like I don't make people famous. Yes. Being famous is a byproduct of the actual thing that you're doing. Right. You know, having having a job, being famous is not that doesn't compute with me. Right. Right. So I think it's okay for artists to know that they can make a living doing something else mm-hmm. and and be fine at that 
and still fulfill their creative intent yes. with what they love. Absolutely, absolutely. This kind of comes around to um, the thought of developing versus manufacturing artists. Um, okay. So the idea of sort of churning out money makers into the machine versus really nurturing talent and art that's the longevity and and sustainability so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i feel that's that's where you're going <laughs> or where you are it definitely is definitely is yeah i mean that that's where i've always been i I, yeah. I mean uh even early on before we were talking about you know manufacturing and, and all the things that we can do now I understand that technology provides us with a lot of opportunity and mm -hmm. I'm grateful for that, but it doesn't replace the human element. Yes. And, and artists are still people. So our industry, I believe has, has kind of gotten a little bit off track as mm -hmm. it relates to that. And, and I appreciate, you know, people being money driven and they want to be successful and success means you got to make more money and hit pay dirt and all that junk. Uh, I'm, I'm successful and I have a lot that I'm responsible for. So I had bills to pay. Yes, I have to make a living. Right. But at the same time, caring about people matters. Yes. I, I, I want to be able to, I mean, even as long as it took for you and I to connect, I wanted to connect yes. with you, right? Yes. So thank we made you. this happen. And thank you for your patience. I appreciate that. But the bottom line is, you know, it doesn't cost me anything. Right to be kind. Yes. It doesn't cost me anything to care about you. Right. It doesn't cost me anything other than just, you know, my heart to say, Hey, you know, here's an artist. I understand all the money. I understand all that, but, but how are you doing today? Yes. You know, are you okay? Are you okay in all of this? Is there something else going on? Let's talk about, you don't feel good today. Yeah. Let's talk about what to do when, when you don't feel good. And this is going to happen again. I believe that our industry is, is hopefully coming back around to building that sustainability. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's cool, Emma, about what you and I do is that we are the front runners for that because we are those uh, those people who are helping to prep that to be able to sustain. And the industry knows that. That's why they keep bringing them back and coming back because they know that we help their artists. Yes. So I'm hoping that that's a positive influence on what's going on mm -hmm. and that we can continue to grow. I say we grow artists. That's yes. what we do. We grow artists. Yes. We grow artists. Yeah. Amazing. And thinking back to you saying about people, can you make me famous? Can you do this? The, the reality of the timeline. And I'm sure, I mean, you've taught thousands of different, very, very successful clients. Have you, have you got sort of, an extreme benchmark of, of a client you worked with where it just took off super fast or someone that was like, okay, this is slow and steady and here we go. Just to sort of dispel mm -hmm. that myth of like TikTok viral video and then suddenly the world is is your lobster as my mom used to say. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think TikTok is kind of like, you know, hitting the lottery. Right. And, and the, the unfortunate thing about most people, and we know this by history, I mean, it's a, it, it's a statistical fact mm -hmm. that most people who win the lottery, uh, uh, several years later, they've lost all that yes. because they don't know, they're not prepared. Yes. They're not prepared to handle it. They don't have the right people around them or the right money management. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it's very sad to me that somebody could win you know, 60 million or whatever. And people think, oh, they're set for life. It's like, no, they lost it in, in three years. The same thing happens with, you know, artists 
who are a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're you're popular. You're and, and and but yet, where are they today? Yes, right. Yes. And yet, you know, and artists who are still doing what you know, Aerosmith is still doing what they do, mm-hmm. and they're still great at it. You've got, I mean, Beyonce. Beyonce is a great. She is a great example of of that career that that was it was gradations of success yes. gradations of you know incar- incarnations she was with one group then with another and and just the gradual development that brought her to where she was and then all of a sudden she became mm-hmm. uh, the household name that she is now yes, right yes uh, the same thing michael jackson michael jackson was a young kid he was a boy who came up when a very and yes he was part of a uh, an artistic family that had things already going on. Okay. So, but, but it took all of that. And then he became, he came into his own. Yes. And yes. then he was that sensation. He was fabulous as a kid. Right. But when he made his mark, yeah, yeah. But he really came into his own. Um, then you take artists like a Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Justin, it, it all happened very fast. Right. Uh, I believe that there are times in history, sometimes that are more important than the artist, but right. the, the, the time in history that was afforded to Justin when he came through made that really spiral. And also technology. Yes. He was the first artist that really came out of social media platform. Right, right. And, and so things happened in an accelerated fashion that we had never dealt with before because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so there, there's the examples for mm-hmm. you of, of the, you know, watching, watching how that happened. Shania Twain is another one. Mm-hmm. Shania was playing in clubs when she was young. She was this, you know, I mean, and, and she honed her skills and her chops yes. kind of the way that I did coming up in it. And then, you know, country music was at a crossroads, Garth, Brooks kind of blew the doors open and, and in comes Mutt Lang from a, you know, a rock and roll background, produced his lovely wife and boom, look what happened. And and so there was that platform for Shania to be that artist and that woman. Right. And her career had the sustainability because of all of the other stuff that underpinned her all along. Right. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, be ready so you don't have to get ready. Oh, a- absolutely, and stay ready because when that yes. when that freight train hits you, you better be ready for the ride. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Abs- oh my goodness, this has been just phenomenal. Thank you, thank you, thank you for for taking my so pleasure. much time to talk with me. To wrap up, and this this might be a tough question: Do you have one favorite favorite moment of your musical mm. career as a coach or as a producer or? Um, being backstage getting someone ready for like do you have a favorite moment you you know i get i get asked that a lot uh I, and I, <laughs> I i i will say this i mean if i think about it if i really think about it sometimes it's rather daunting okay. um because I, I i live a very uh exquisite life i would yes. say um and I've, I've been in so many situations, you know, people, if they were looking through the fisheye, they would envy being there, whatever. And, and yet I'm, I'm just there because I'm a working girl. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love my artists and I, and I, and it is, it is a part of what I, you know, it's a part of what I do. Yes. yes. I, you know, 
I'm in the dressing rooms. I'm underneath the Grammy stage before Justin walks out. I'm backstage with, you know, Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. I'm over here with Usher and James Brown and, or, or, you know, Ray Charles. Yes. I'm working with Liam Neeson or yes, I'm on the movie set with the rock Johnson. And all of those are moments. All of that. Yes. Uh, There, there, there's no one of those that any, I mean, I'm, if I stop while I'm in it, it's just like, you know, what am I doing here? But the real, the real truth is it's, it's the people that I love in it that matter most. And the moments are created because of that. Anyway, I, I I will tell you that uh, being honored and, and inducted into the Georgia music hall of fame was a, a particular highlight for me because yes. I was born and raised in Georgia and that really it, it mattered a lot you yeah. know for me uh, the first time that I got a multi-platinum record ever the very first one I got was from Matchbox 20 and and I, that was like oh you know I'm 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 a professional I'm really a part of this this was great right um I, I've got you know Grammy medallions and uh, things that that obviously are precious to me in this industry that we achieve yeah but again it's really about the the you know riding in 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 an suv in the back with with usher in la and and cutting up with him those are the moments that actually matter more you know yes or the first time I was talking to, you know, Justin and he wanted to know how to do vibrato and we were, you know, trying to get him to feel it. And I had him sit on my lap. (laughs) I mean, it's it's that kind of stuff that really are, are, those are the precious moments to me. I I agree. The the behind the scenes, not necessarily, you know, the end game. It's, it's the -hmm. process leading Mm -hmm. up to. You're, you're absolutely right. Moments. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else that you want to add or part with on, on some wisdom? <laughs> um, I, just just uh, thank you. Uh, you're you're delightful, and I, I hope that God continues to bless the work of your hand oh, in you. what you're doing because it is so important uh, uh, across you. the pond and all that we're we're doing to help really sustain these artists. Yeah. Um, People can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm uh, jansmith.com. And uh, just to tell, uh, and, and please follow me on mm-hmm. Instagram at uh, Mama, Mama Jan Music. Um, and uh, thank you for that. But yeah, of course. Uh, just, you know, just uh, I would ask for people to continue to, to pray for us and to, um, you know, just recognize the work that, that we're doing and to support the artists that we're, we're working with because that's really where the rubber meets the road is is what we're doing resonating with other people you know yes yes so true thank you again so much for the jigsaw puzzle of our schedules and everything and and taking the time to talk with me i truly truly appreciate it you're very welcome you let me know if i can help you in any way emma you know that Thank you so much, Dan. And thank you again so much for uh, sharing all of this wisdom and insight. Again, jansmith.com is where you need to go. And uh, also Mama Jan Music on social media. Uh, Honestly, if you're in the industry and you're not already following Mama Jan, uh, you need to be doing that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, we'll be back with lots more for you very, very soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please feel free to like, share, subscribe. And if you feel inclined to leave a review, I truly, truly appreciate it. You can check out all things voice at rocketvocalstudios.com. That's R-O-C-K-I-T vocalstudios.com. And follow me on social too, at Rocket Vocal Studios. Thanks again for listening. And I'll be back with lots more for you very, very soon. 